together to focus on where Jesus is leading. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now, let's read together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the system of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. Welcome to Faith Church. We're thrilled you are with us today in the room and especially those online in your homes or wherever you may be uh, at this moment. We're, we're, we're so excited today. Uh, today we, we get to celebrate in water baptism. And uh, all of our, uh, this weekend, we have six different people going public with their faith in Jesus. And it's such a, a great time to celebrate. Most of those are happening in our next service, our 11 o'clock service. And so that's the way kind of the scheduling worked out today. And so uh, you want to stick around and watch that or on your way home, pull it up live and watch it. You're welcome to celebrate in that way. And then we even have uh, one happening tonight, a small group. Uh, one of our Connect groups is gathering um, to baptize one of their participants uh, of their Connect group because they work on Sunday mornings. And so uh, I love seeing uh, these things take place. Uh, you know, October has been said to be Octo uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just want to say thanks for the outpouring of love, uh, just not on our family, but for our staff. And I I'm going to ask that you indulge me for just a minute. And those online and in the room, would you just kind of give a rousing applause to say thank you to our pastoral staff and those that serve. Uh, man, we're so thankful for you. We honor you today. Honor you today. Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me to two places, Exodus 16 and Ephesians 4. Exodus 16 and Ephesians 4. And if you're like, I have no idea where that is, grab your phone, go to faithchurchks.org, click on the sermon notes tab. You'll see that little card there. Click on it. You'll be able to see all of the scriptures that we're going to go through today, as well as some uh, simplified notes today. We've been uh, walking through this collection of sermons that we're calling the practice of hospitality. And we're exploring what does it look like to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And God gave his people 10 commandments that are all geared around loving other people better. God's people were about to embark on a 40-year camping trip. And uh, they needed to learn how to be civilized and get along, right? How to not get upset and try to set fire to the tent next door because they were loud all night. Like you had to learn how to not be selfish but be caring. You had to learn all of these ways in which to be civil with one another. How do you love one another? And these Ten Commandments are helping us do that today. We're, we're looking at the one listed in 
Deuteronomy 5, verse 19, and it says this, You shall not steal. When I was about 10 or 11, about the age of my son Micah, we went to church one Sunday night, because back in the day it was Sunday morning three times, Sunday night once, and Wednesday night once. The only drug problem I ever had was I got drugged to church. That was really <laughs> it for me. That's a good old preacher joke. I just recycle that one every once in a while. That's good. have to make note of that. And this one Sunday night, there was a guest speaker at the church. It was, happened to be a family service, which was abnormal for our church. And uh, there were some friends that I caught on the elevator up to where we were having service. And I, they said, hey, do you want to come sit with us? And I was like, oh, absolutely I do. Uh, anything to not sit with my parents tonight would be fun. And uh, mom reluctantly let me go. And uh, our, our church at that time was meeting on uh, an, in an auditorium on a college campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's where I grew up. And um, so that night we went, we found our seats, and right before the service started, we all slipped out. And we decided to go run around the college campus, trying to get onto the ball field. We knocked trash cans over. We, like, did parkour before parkour was cool. Uh, I'm not sure we did it right, but we sure tried and had fun in the process. And uh, we, we kind of ran wherever we wanted, roamed, ducking under security, making sure no adult saw us, and we just kind of had some fun on our own. And then as the night began to wind down, um, we decided to head to where the kids' ministry would meet, the, the level where the kids' ministry would meet. And I knew, because I was uh, in kids' ministry a lot and volunteered in a lot of different ways, even as a young child, um, I knew where the candy was. And I was just skinny enough to squeeze into where the candy was behind some locked doors. And uh, so we snuck in, we got some candy, stole it, enjoyed it, ran around some more. And we knew about the time the service was ending and we made our way back to our seats. Well, as we were heading back to our seats, one of the children's pastors saw us and he said, hey guys, come here. And that was the beginning of my end. We got caught, and man, I stayed silent and quiet. They gave us the stairs and ended up talking to our parents, and we ended up having to pay restitution. It was required in the moment. Some recompense was appropriate to kind of help repair the relationship, and we had to repay. Um, we only stole, like, some candy, like one candy, and we split it. We tried, you know, to not make it look obvious that we stole <laughs> Um, but it didn't work, um, so we each had to repay two big Sam's boxes full of full-size candy bars. It was like 40 bucks worth of candy bars we had to earn and pay back. You shall not steal. Jesse James is one of the most famous or infamous, however you would like to look at that, thieves in American history. And as a boy, I remember actually being fascinated because we would travel to his hideout and we toured some of those places. I remember watching those shows. And as a little boy, I was really mesmerized by this, this, this character. And then Jesse James, if you're unfamiliar, he was somebody who robbed stagecoaches and trains, stealing jewels and gold and anything of value that wasn't his. 
And many of uh, people in uh, our day kind of romanticize his activity and stealing to be like a Robin Hood, this robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Uh, but that's not true. He robbed from the rich to keep for himself. That's really his M.O. And I think in today's world, while we might not be robbing trains and stagecoaches, while you might not be stealing candy from church, uh, there are other ways in which we rob and steal and nickel and dime our way to take things that don't belong to us as if they did belong to us, and we justify it as we go. Maybe we feel entitled to it. Maybe we just don't want to ask for the help. Maybe it's just easier to ask for forgiveness rather than permission ahead of time. And yet we find ourselves in these moments where in our own justification, we think it's for a good cause. And, and we think that the Robin Hood is a good approach. But I'm just going to take from somebody who has to help somebody who doesn't have. And that's just not a biblical framework for our lives. For a third party to take what doesn't belong to them to give to somebody who has need is not what we would call in Scripture generosity. In fact, the way of the world, the way of the system of the world is to steal what doesn't belong to them, and the way of God is to supply. In fact, John 10, 10 says it like this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and Jesus said, but I've come that you can have life and life to the, to the fullest. What the enemy tries to do in our world to get us to take and to lay hold of and to control and to do whatever you feel like is necessary, no matter the cost, no matter the means, no matter who you have to run over to gain what you want, then that's fine. But that's the way of the system of our world, the way of our Lord and Jesus, the way that God has presented himself to us all through scripture is that he is a God who supplies all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It's a God who shows up on the scene and helps Abraham realize, Abraham, I know you feel uh, the burden. I know I told you to do this. I asked you to do this. And you're trying to fulfill it in your own supply, but I am El Shaddai, the God who sees ahead and makes provision on your behalf. God supplies what you feel like you have to take because nobody else will supply it for you. I think it's important to realize that this command, you shall not steal, is actually about the principle of trust. Who do you trust? Who is your trust in? It's easy to put our trust in things that we see our 401k, our IRAs, our investments, our savings, our own efforts. But ultimately, we're just trusting in our own self or in a system of the world when God says, I actually want to be your full source for all of the abundance in your life. And this idea of trust and provider was something that God was trying to get his people to understand. Remember, they were on a 40-year camping trip through the wilderness, a way they had no idea where they were going. And it actually was a trip that should have taken them 40 days, but it ended up taking them just shy of 40 years to get to where they were going because people are stupid. 
and we don't learn our lesson the first time, and we're hard-headed, and we just don't get what we need to get. And it took what should have taken them only a little bit of time to escape Egypt, took them more than one lifetime because there were so much of Egypt within them that God needed to get out of them so that they could have, so that he could have their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And while they were in the wilderness, they got to this place where they began to complain about not having certain things because they remembered what it was like in Egypt. Oh, if we could go back to Egypt where we had meat rather than the wilderness where we have nothing to eat. And oh, the times are hard and oh, this. And God had heard their complaining. And in Exodus 16, we see God show up. In spite of their grumbling and complaining, he still provides he still reveals himself as the God who gives the supply. And in Exodus 16, we find this interesting story, starting in verse 4. I'm just going to read certain sections of it for time. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather. So did the people have a part to play? Yes or yes? Okay, just making sure you're tracking the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. Why? Because the seventh day was the rest day, and the sixth day was preparation for the day that they rested. He didn't want them to go gather food on the seventh day. He wanted them to gather enough for the sixth day and the seventh day on the sixth day and wondered if they would trust him enough that it would last for those two days. Simple exercises of trust because God is the God who wants to supply. And in our lack of trust, we feel like we need to steal. Verse 6 says, So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, Hey, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. For And in the morning, you will then see the glory of the Lord, uh, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that we should grumble against, that, he should gr that you should grumble against us? Moses is like, It ain't my fault. Talk to God. I feel your pain, Moses. I feel your pain. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives, watch this, when he gives you meat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumblings against I love that God heard their grumbling and didn't get grumpy with them, but just still showed them his goodness. That was a good place to say amen, but I'm hoping it's sinking into your heart. That no matter how much we grumble and complain, that doesn't change the fact that God still wants to show you his goodness. It goes on to say in verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, parentheses, who supplies what you need. Verse 13, then the evening, that evening, quail came and covered the camp. They didn't have to go shoot it. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared. And they said, they're great. <laughs> Hashtag preacher jokes. Frost, flakes, makes sense to me. Then the Israelites saw it and they said to each other, what is it? 
for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This week in your connect groups, you're going to read that entire section of scripture and you'll find that even though the Lord supplied the quail in the evening and the bread in the morning and told them to gather all that they needed for those in their tents, they still chose to rebel and not fully obey. Even when they saw it with their own eyes, God, then I'll trust you. Oh no, they saw it with their eyes and still weren't sure they could trust him. Friends, I came to tell you today, God can be trusted. Let me say it again. God can be trusted to supply what you need physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. God can be trusted. The question then is, well, if God can be trusted, then how do we kind of improve on what the Israelites couldn't really do and trust God ourselves so that we're not tempted to steal in ways that, you know, I know some of you still aren't convinced, like I've never stolen anything, Pastor, just wait, just wait. We'll talk about it. The reality is, I'm not so concerned necessarily about your stealing near as much as I am concerned about your trusting. And God can be trusted. So how do we trust God today? What does that look like? What does it look like to obey this commandment not to steal and instead trust God to supply? How do we follow through on this command not to steal, but instead trust God to supply? I want to offer three thoughts, and I'm going to pull them right out of Ephesians chapter 4, um, primarily in verse 28, but we're going to start in verse 25, because uh, Ephesians 4, 25 through 28 is like a New Testament uh, succinct description, even, uh, even a little bit beyond, and before verse 25 is, is a New Testament rendition of the Ten Commandments. You're going to see some of these listed here in a, in, in a New Testament passage, and so Ephesians chapter 4 Starting in verse 25, it says this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We're going to talk about lying next week. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Pastor Clayton talked about that earlier in this collection. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 28, and anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. What's the first thing that we see as it relates to this idea of stealing? Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And if you're not taking notes, go ahead and pull out your phone and jot this down. Number one is this, how do we trust God today? Number one, stop stealing. Stop stealing. Anything we do in our life that we feel like we need to sneak to accomplish, hide and not talk about, anything that we need to be quote unquote stealthy about in our lives is something that maybe we ought to examine a little more carefully. 
the root of the word stealth is the word steal. Some of your minds are being blown as you drop the TH and you're like, oh my gosh, it is that word. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't know, but let me give you some examples of how we still sneak around and still steal today. Uh, ever had a business meeting over lunch, but you didn't really talk about business, but you still expensed it as a business meal? How's your business? Every, everything that worked good? Yeah, it works good. Works good for me too. Cool. Let's talk about football the rest of the time, and I'll expense it. Ever, ever cheated on a test? You don't have to raise your hands in the house of the Lord. All right. Some of your teenagers are like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Ever cheated on a test? Stolen answers from someone else? Ever done a job and required it to be paid in cash so that you didn't have to report it as income to the government? Ever clock in at work? but then you walk around and chat with everybody for 20 minutes before you actually sit down to get work started? <laughs> Nervous laughter fills the room for those of you online. Ever take long coffee breaks and long lunch breaks and long bathroom breaks many times a day so that you can catch up on social media and check your fantasy football leagues? all the while staying on the clock. Because again, it's easier just to ask for forgiveness than get permission. You didn't ever have COVID, but the government payouts made it so that your employer had to give you the time off if you had COVID. So you claimed to have COVID to get the extra time and money, but you were never really sick. Stop stealing. Live with integrity. How do we trust God? Number one, stop stealing. Number two, work hard. Isn't that what he said? He, he said, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Must work that... That word work in some translations is the word labor, labor. The word work and labor in the original language means to be exhausted come day's end. Work hard. You're like, I got a job. Uh-huh. Work hard. Sometimes, let me back that up. Most times, God's provision and supply doesn't look miraculous like bread on the ground. It looks like the mundane routine of diligent work. Oh, I, I just need... What skills do you have? What abilities do you have? What passions has God given you? Much of what you need, he's already given you. It just comes in seed form, which requires you to work it into the ground of your life in a good way. 
Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. In other words, don't look at your job as I'm working for the man and making someone else rich, and I don't really get to see any of that, and it's not fair, and that's why I take long coffee breaks, because they don't really give us true breaks, and they don't give us the right benefits, and they don't really... You're not working for them anyways. If you're a follower of Jesus, we have a different king and judge whom we answer to. And we are working for him and his pleasure and his ways, not anyone else. So you're not teaching kids for your own pay and benefits. You're teaching kids because they belong to God and you are stewarding what God has placed in your hands. You're not working construction because it has to get done and nobody else will do it and nobody appreciates what you've done and everybody complains about it not being right anyways. No, no, you're doing it because God has given you a skill and a craft and you're honoring him with everything he's put in your hands to do. Work hard. God blesses our hard work. There's something about it. We think, we think that hard work and labor were a result of sin and the curse. They're not. Work and labor were always a part of God's plan. Before sin entered the world, he gave Adam a J-O-B. And God said it was good. God said it was good. It was good for him to work. It was good for him to work with his hands. It was good for him to create. It was good for him to get into the soil of the ground and cultivate something. It was, it was good for him to end the day feeling like he gave something away. And he participated in the stewardship of life. God blessed it. We, we see this work, um, and God gave them dominion over the earth. That was Genesis chapter. You go back and read the, 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 the Genesis poem written there at the beginning of creation, where we see it all unfolded and told the story. And he says he's given them these tasks to name the animals and do the things, and here's the garden. It's a beautiful garden. It's a good garden, but it's your garden to take care of, to, to, to have dominion over. We think, especially in Pentecostal charismatic word of faith uh, circles in which I have grown up, we think that word take dominion is like some authority thing. It's like some, uh, I got the power, watch me make something happen with my prayers and my scriptures and my words. No, no, no. It actually means to demonstrate skilled mastery within. Why? Because God wants you to work and work hard. Stop stealing. Work hard. Ecclesiastes 2.10 says, I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. Paul would write and says, he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Jesus came along and says, uh, or Proverbs, uh, I think it's Proverbs and Psalms, both tell us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and God has given it to us to steward. Steward is a manager, someone who makes better and multiplies for someone else. Who's the someone else? God. He, he's given it to you, to steward, to, to work with and to work hard at. Stewardship is one way Jesus is examining your life, wondering if you will be found faithful. Do you trust him enough to steward what he's placed in your hands. You want to know what faithfulness looks like? You want to know what he's measuring as it relates to faithfulness? 
Faithfulness isn't about consistency. Faithfulness is about fruitfulness. It's about fruitfulness. What has God placed in your hand? And what is the fruit being produced from what he has given you? How do we trust God? We stop stealing. I think it's important to note, I didn't say it before, but let me say it right now. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing to followers of Jesus. The fact that he had tell Christians to stop stealing tells me that there probably were some Christians who didn't realize they were still stealing. And it hadn't dawned on them that, oh, that's not trusting God. I shouldn't be doing that. Right. Stop stealing. Number two, work hard. And number three, give generously. What does the text say? Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need, that they may have something to share with those in need. Friends, we don't give in order to get something. We just get to give. The way of generosity is the way of God's people. The way of greed is the way of the world. To be greedy requires you to be stealthy in a lot of ways. Greed works in both a uh, lucrative way and it works in a I don't have, so therefore I'm hoarding because if I don't have, I might not have enough in the future if I don't hold it back now. It, it works Greed shows up not just in the affluent, but in those who feel like they don't have enough either. Why? Because greed isn't a dollar amount. Greed is an issue of your heart. It's, it's an issue of where your trust is or isn't. Give generously. I, I think we often don't share or act generously or practice hospitality towards others because we have a scarcity mindset and we think that if we don't hoard it now, if we don't hold on to it now, if, I, if I'm generous, if I'm open-handed, if I help someone else, if I cook someone else a meal, if I go visit them, if I give in a way that's sacrificial, well, then who's going to do that for me? Friends, that's where trust comes in because God is the God supplies. And God is the God whom you can trust so that we may give. In Joshua 7, we, we see, uh, it's, it's a fascinating story. God, God had sent Joshua and the children of Israel. They had finally reached the promised land 40 plus years later, and they crossed over. They marched Jericho. Jericho fell. And one of the things that God told them was Jericho is the first city that you're conquering. And therefore, because it's the first city, it belongs to God. Everything in it goes to God, to his temple, to his house. To, it's all for God. You don't take anything in the city. You don't get to loot the city and keep it for yourself. No, the first city belongs to God. Why? Because all through scripture, God reveals that there is something that belongs to him and it doesn't belong to you. The earth is the Lord, yes, and he gives generously to us, but there is something that belongs to him. You wanna know what it is? The first. The first belongs to the Lord. And they were in, uh, they had conquered Jericho and they weren't supposed to take anything. 
with them. And God says, I'm going to go with you. We're going to conquer all of these other lands, these other communities. You're going to take it over. This is your land. It is your inheritance. I'm going to be with you. Go, 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 go. You can do it. You can do it. Yay, yay, yay. So, so they conquered Jericho. All of the loot was supposed to go to the house of the Lord. All of the things that they did, all of the cattle, all of the things. Like it was all God's because it's the first. It belongs to him. It's sacred. It's set apart. That word consecrated just means set apart for a different purpose. What's the purpose of the first? It belongs to the Lord. It's consecrated. It belongs to him. So all of this whole land, this whole nation is supposed to be set apart for him. And so then they go to battle against AI. And they go to this battle and they send 300 men and they get destroyed. They should have beat this team easily. Reminds me of a local football team, actually. Should be beating teams easily. But they're getting destroyed. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen, and I know it's like, oh me, oh my, Lord. I'm with you. And they come back after the defeat, and, and God tells Joshua, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Somebody took and held on to something that was consecrated for me, but they've been hiding it among their own. And Achan eventually is seen as the one who had been sinning and hiding some of the things they were supposed to bring forth that belonged to the Lord. He was hoarding for himself in his own house among his own belongings. In other words, it was still in his bank account, but it belonged to the Lord and there was sin that showed up. Malachi chapter three, the people of God hadn't quite learned their lesson. Go for it, fast forward into the Old Testament and it says, God comes to his people and he says, um, hey, why are you robbing God? Why are you stealing from the Lord? And they're like, how, how does a person rob God? Come on, God, you own everything. We can't steal nothing, it's all yours. He goes, yeah, 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 but, but uh, you're, you're, you've robbed me because you've taken the first and you've kept it for yourselves and you haven't returned the tithes to the Lord. I, I deeply believe that the principle of the tithe, while the percentage is clear, the principle is really the priority and that's the first. And all through scripture, you see the principle and the priority of the first listed as something that belongs to the, to the Lord. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hebrews 13, 2 says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing some, people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Romans 12, verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. When we are good stewards with what God has put in our hands that really belongs to him. When we are good stewards, we then find ourselves living and having the margin to show hospitality to others by sharing what we have received from God. Why? Because you will never outgive a generous God. Second Corinthians nine tells us that he will supply seed to the person who's willing to sow it. What, what are we talking about? The generosity, 
Give generously. Practice hospitality. What is it you are hoarding that God has been trying to give, get you to open your hands with? What is it you've been stingy and ho- ho- holding on to and God is saying, would you just be generous? I, I actually want to bring through you more. You don't have to give, but you get to. And when you do give, it's not about what you get back. Oh, I'm gonna feel good about this and feel good about that. No, no, we're just living open-handed with generous hearts. I'm gonna invite people to my home for dinner. I, I, I may not have a lot of extra food, but I can still practice hospitality. I can still show up and pray with somebody who needs prayer. I can still give generously. I, I can still uh, bring to the Lord what belongs to him and not act like it's mine. It's actually me returning it to him. This is why language matters. We don't talk about giving our tithes. I believe tithe is something you return to the Lord. Giving is something you do of your own, of the percentage that he lets you keep after the tithe. We don't take offerings here at Faith Church, but we give you opportunities to give if you want. We try to not make giving complicated at Faith Church, but we absolutely don't make it convenient for you. Convenient would be while you're sitting in a nice cushion chair that somebody else paid for. We pass a plate. And through public uh, positive reinforcement, you feel the opportunity while everybody is watching you hold that plate to see what you might do with it. That would be really convenient, wouldn't it? No. Because if you want to give, that's between you and the Lord, and you ought to have that conversation with the Lord. We're not here to take anything from you, but we are absolutely here to celebrate the fact that we get to be generous to the Lord return back what is his, and we're, we live with open hands as a generous church here at Faith Church. You know, during COVID, at the very beginning of it, we made a decision to kind of shift and uh, really steward the resources that, um, that the Lord was bringing into this house uh, in a much more local manner and in a, uh, in a much more strategic manner for the needs represented in our community that we knew was there. One of those things meant if we were going to steward it in a direction, that also meant that we had to stop stewarding it in another direction. One of the things that we stopped doing during COVID, for, for a lot of other practical reasons, but also was a financial stewardship for us, is we stopped doing what we call Light the Night. Light the Night were these block parties that we hosted in different parts of our city on Halloween where we lit it up nice and bright and we looked kids in the eyes and told, we made sure kids knew that we saw them and noticed them and they were loved by Jesus. And we were generous with candy and hot chocolate and games and we just loved people. Why? Because when is it that people who are lost, hurting and broken come knocking on your door? They do it one time a year. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers were few. And here they came walking on our door. We didn't preach. We definitely didn't give away some things that people would call Bible tracts. We just celebrated kids and loved on them a little bit. And we haven't done it for a couple years. But you know what I love? Is that we have such a spirit and a heart in this place that we have people last year and this year who on their own have decided we're gonna do that anyways. 
we're going to take our own resources, not supplemented from the church, and we're just going to give out good candy, light it bright. Somebody's giving away hot chocolate on their own this week. Why? Because we just believe in being generous. It's one way we can practice hospitality. There's a lot of ways we can do it. But at the end of the day, we recognize that when we are good stewards, the Lord knows he can trust us with more. And we find ourselves with more margin, which gives us the ability to serve others better and more. We get to practice hospitality. Sharing others, sharing with others is actually serving God. Because when you love your neighbor, you're loving God. And it keeps us when we share, when we live open-handed, when we're generous, when we give. You know what we're doing? We're telling God we're serving him and we're telling greed we're not gonna be your slave anymore. Generosity is the antidote to greed that naturally grows in our hearts. It's the... Um, Generosity moves us in the direction of the way of God and the heart of God. Greed moves us in the way of the world. The way of the world is to steal and hoard and hold on to. The way of God is to supply with great generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. Would you stand as we come to the Lord's table today? If you would, go ahead and uh, at home and here in the room, go ahead and get your communion elements ready. Kind of peel back that first plastic layer and uh, hold, grab the bread. And then you can grab the second layer, open it up and have the juice. And just, if you would, hold on to those and we'll take them together here in just a minute. I told you at the beginning of this message a story of when I stole from my church. And candy, it's, you know, we would look at it, it's candy, it's no big deal. But that night, as I was laying in bed, I could not sleep. Couldn't sleep. I was 10, 11 years old, couldn't sleep. And I don't know why. And I went, woke up my mom because she typically was quicker and didn't give me the lectures that dad did. So I woke mom, woke mom up. It was strategic. I got less spankings from mom, more from dad. It was, it was just strategic. And I woke, woke my mom up and said, mom, I can't sleep. She goes, you want to know why? It's like, yes. Tell me, why can't I sleep? She goes, because you haven't repented and the Holy Spirit is convicting you and bringing you close to him. And you need to repair that relationship with the Lord. You need to repent because you've been, you stole. And it's breaking your heart like it breaks the image of God, the picture of God in our world. And so she grabbed my hand and we prayed and went back to bed. I slept. Today, as we come to the table, some of you 
felt and heard. Love you. Many of you have felt that from the Lord, that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's some things in your world that you know you've not been living with integrity. Maybe it has to do with generosity. The Holy Spirit's stirring, he's speaking to you. And today, it would be right for us to pause and say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry of that. I, I've robbed X, Y, I've stolen X, Y, Z. Would you forgive me? I repent today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? And just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? The Holy Spirit brings conviction not to condemn us or shame us, but to bring us back to relationship with Jesus. He wants to supply all of the things that you need. Maybe there's been an area of trust that you know you haven't been trusting and he's asking you to trust him again. Just take a moment and respond before the Lord today. God, you loved us so much. You knew what we needed was a savior, so you supplied your son. Because you are a God who supplies what we need when we need it. Today, Lord, we come to the table where we take the, the bread, which represents your body, and we take the juice, represents the blood that you spilled to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us clean. Lord, Lord as we get ready to take these, we do so knowing that it's because of what you did, Jesus, that you can reconcile us back to right relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So Lord, as we take these, we do so making a fresh commitment to stop stealing, to work hard, and to be people who give generously with open hands. This is our commitment, Lord. And we take this communion as a way of sealing it signifying that we want to live like you generously in this world. Let's take the bread together. Now the juice. Father, I pray <coughs> for your people. I pray, Lord, that they would recognize that you are the supplier and that you can be trusted. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Would you lift your countenance towards us, God, and bring us your shalom, your peace, your wholeness? May we remember that we are radically loved by you who gave us your son, Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God said, amen. amen.
Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.